We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast for week 17. We have reached the final week of the season. Always an interesting and wacky week in the NFL. Uh, I am Scott Jensen, joined again today by Derek Van Riper. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you enjoyed listening to us all year, hopefully made a little bit of money uh, and you want to uh, leave us some stars, leave us a good review, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, Derek, first of all, I want to say week 17. I wanted to appreciate you uh, doing this all season with me. I, uh, I feel like it's uh, it's helped me as a player, and it's uh, it's been fun breaking down games with you, so I appreciate that. We'll start with that. Well, I feel like I've learned a lot more from you than you've learned from me because you had a great <laughs> year in the pentathlon, and that was an area where if I had done even just a little better, I might have been able to compete for uh, at least a cash spot in the overall. But it's been a lot of fun, and it's been a, a up and down year for me for, for DFS. I've had a few good weeks, probably too many bad weeks. Maybe I can close it out on a high note. Uh, but I hope you had a nice Christmas. I know you had more travel to do, and it's been a really busy season. And, of course, uh, thanks for doing a great job on this pot all year. I think the, the listeners really like it. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I have to admit it was it was fun to uh, end the uh, pentathlon DFS season with a nice 200 to put on you guys. 
Yeah, that was a huge performance. That was a you won by like forty, right? Like, was anyone even close to, to catching you this week? <laughs> I think it was, yeah, I think it was like forty-one or forty-two points. And I was, uh, it's funny. Uh, Vlad Sedler, who's in the Patetlos, sent me a message in the midday. He's like, "Oh my god, you're way ahead. I, how much money are you winning in that lineup?" And it wasn't. It was just a weird day. I mean, there were so many cheap running backs that went crazy that. My 200 was good and it cashed and it, it was profitable, but it, it wasn't nearly as uh, nearly as big as uh, uh, he made me think it was going to be until, until I looked. Yeah, I would have thought, thought the same thing Vlad did just yeah. based on the gap between you and the field. And, and it was, the last few weeks of the pentathlon, it seemed like teams got a little more clustered together in points. I don't know if people were starting to find their stride a little bit or what it was, but uh, it seemed like there was a lot more separation week to week for the first 10, 12 weeks or so. And the last five uh, teams were more clustered. Well, I was so bad in all the other uh, other events of the pentathlon, particularly anything to do with picking games, that uh, I figured I had to uh, I had to at least make a statement there and, and keep myself from more embarrassment. Ah, come on! It's, <laughs> spread picks are brutal. I mean, the variance, uh, the difference between being bottom three and top three in spread picks in a given year is like one or two extremely close calls every week, going the wrong way instead of going the right way. I mean, that that's the difference. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a very fun uh, setup. Hopefully, you're going to be uh, doing it again next year. And if you do, count me in. All right, it's back next year. It's on. Beautiful, cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump to week 17. Obviously, a uh, a week where a lot of people don't have uh, season long fantasy uh, leagues going on. Most leagues quit after 16. If you do play through 17, uh, you know we'll we'll cover uh, we'll cover every game. Uh, but it's it's a real good DFS week in the terms of, you know your season long is done. You can focus on the DFS. No other lamps to set. But it's tough from an NFL perspective. We got teams that uh, are likely to rest guys. We have teams who say they're playing and we think they might rest guys. We have teams that you know if they get up in the third quarter and they rest guys. So it's a lot of scoreboard watching all the games that affect each other at the same time so it's a it's a very tricky uh, tricky week to try and figure out uh, projections this week yeah it really is the nfl did a decent job of, of shuffling games around in the schedule yeah uh, from the one eastern block and the 425 block to keep it for, we don't have too many teams that are just going to be able to totally bench guys from the start who have at least something to play for so you're going to get at least partial games from a lot of teams but seeds are in some cases totally sewn up like the cowboys for example they're the four seed in the NFC no matter what. They have no reason at all to even put Ezekiel Elliott on the field. Like, Elliott wants to play because that's what Zeke wants to do, but he should be inactive. Like, there shouldn't even be a temptation to put him on the field in a situation like that. There's some teams that can play for a first-round bye, so they're going to be going full bore the entire game. I mean, the Patriots would be one of those teams. Um, you got some. You got a late game that changes things in the AFC South depending on what happens with the Texans game. Uh, but for the most part, the Vegas over-unders and uh, the point spreads give you a really good idea of just how many teams are going to be playing throughout the game and how many are likely to start resting players. A team like the Bears, for example, uh, they're probably going to rest guys. Like That leaves you in a weird spot with them. But I think there's enough quality teams with something to play for where you can still build pretty good lineups. And it, it does open the door for some unusual GPP wrinkles, too, if you get some surprise scratches between now and kickoff on Sunday that open up some min salary players in larger than expected roles. Yeah, totally there. And as, as we're going game by game, I have a note kind of what teams need. So we'll, we'll hit uh, and refresh everybody, you know, if, if these teams are going to be playing, if these teams are not going to be playing, 
what we think there as we go along. You know, and the other thing to think about, I mean, it, you mentioned uh, as we we're talking off air, but Jameis Winston, there's some talk that he might leave the game early, and they want to see, they want Ryan Griffin to get some snaps. They, uh, you know, Dirk Cutter's quote was something like, "He's been in the, he's been in the locker room for three years, he deserves a shot." So uh, there are other things to think about besides playoffs. Is you know, guys kind of shutting it down early. If it's someone like uh, Christian McCaffrey, who's been heavily used all year, they have nothing to play for. Um, guys like that, you know, might play a quarter, might play two quarters. It's just. Uh, it's hard trying to figure out not just the playoff implications, but kind of what's in coaches' minds also. Yeah, it is. And I think what we'll have between now and Sunday, we'll get a few more of the free squares, as I've called them a few times this season, the players that are going to have a lot more opportunity than expected at those low prices, like Royce Freeman, for example. Uh, with Philip Lindsay getting hurt in the Monday night game, his price is really low. You know, he'll, he'll play a lot more than he's played probably since week one. He might get 15 carries for the first time since the season opener. Uh, Devonte Booker is going to catch some passes, but guys like that are going to emerge over the next 48 to 72 hours, and they're going to become building blocks that you have to work in your lineup in some cases. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason we recorded this on Friday was kind of trying to get some of that news, but this is definitely a you know a check back, uh, check back with the injuries and check back with the uh, inactive list. Uh, you know, Sunday morning's an, an active week this week. We're set, when you're setting your lineups. Absolutely. Yeah. This is this is not the week where you can set a lineup and, and check it last second before kickoff and feel good about it. You're going to have to be a little more active on Sunday morning. And it's and it's a giant slate. You know, the other thing with with no Thursday night game, no Monday night game, we've got 15 games on the slate. There's only the Sunday night game, the, the Tennessee Indianapolis game. So with uh, with the games affecting each other, the NFL puts them all in one day. So let's jump into it game by game. So we do have 15 games uh, starting uh, with the first game low over under Miami at Buffalo. Uh, neither team has any sort of playoff implications in this game buffalo's favored by three and a half at home over under of 39 and a half uh starting with buffalo the, the home team uh josh allen did really well against miami in week 13 135 yards rushing 231 yards passing two touchdowns through the air uh do you like allen this week uh, kind of uh, with another uh, another dip at the uh, dolphins uh defense yeah it's not bad but the price is no longer cheap he's six thousand yeah. on DraftKings, and he's 7700 on FanDuel. Uh, as I look at the Bills, the player I like the most is probably the player that a lot of people like the most. It's Robert Foster. Uh, the way he has been targeted downfield, his average depth of target right now is 22.9. Like they are taking shots with him downfield. Josh Allen, we saw him miss that simple out route yesterday or last week, rather. <laughs> it, it, they've landed on the sun. Like He's got a strong arm. Like If you have a guy that can beat defenders deep and you have Josh Allen throwing him passes, that makes him really dangerous. I think with Foster, you're getting a guy who gets... Pretty good target load, even though they don't like to throw it that much. Xavier Howard's banged up. Maybe he doesn't play in this one. Um, so I think Foster's the Bills player that I'm most interested in. And I'd probably still want to lean more towards tournaments than cash games with him because you're still leaning on the Bills passing game at the end of the day, which is really not where you want to be in a cash game scenario. Yeah, he was a little he was a little quiet last week, only fifty two yards, no touchdowns. But I feel like watching that game, he missed a couple of big plays that were just kind of right there, and that, that that makes it a good situation for you know fantasy. You can jump back in. He's fifty one hundred on DraftKings, fifty eight hundred on FanDuel. I think he's a he's a play on both sides, but I think I agree with you. I think he's kind of a tournament guy, um, not only relying on on the Bills' offense, but relying on Josh Allen to you know hit the right play. But, uh, you know, with a deep guy, you could have pass interference. You could have a lot of stuff that goes on. It's kind of tough to hit on that. But if he does hit, it's going to be big. Yeah, I mean, air yards are sometimes hollow. I mean, that's that's part of the reason. It can be the big play where there's a penalty, which is great for the Bills, but not so great for us because we don't get rewarded directly for that. 
So uh, the only other thought on here is the uh, the Bills defense. So the Miami offense has been giving up a ton of sacks. Believe it or not, uh, 17 sacks the last three weeks, at least three sacks in seven of the last eight weeks, which is a, a crazy number. I had to go back and make sure that was right, and it actually is. The only game where they had less than three sacks was week 12 against the Colts. We only had one. Uh, 2,700 on DK for the Bills defense, 3,700 on FanDuel. Uh, do you like the Bills defense as a way to save some money this week? I do, and, and in my initial builds, I didn't have 2,700 left over on DraftKings, at least, to, to get to the Bills defense, so there were a few cheaper ones I had to lean on, but I have no right. problem with that play if you've got the money left for it. Anybody on the Miami side you're considering at all, they're, they're kind of a full avoid for me. There's just kind of no one I'm playing playing that right now. Uh, if you said you got to play a Dolphin, I'd Kenyon Drake still cheap, so on DraftKings at 3,700, but I don't I don't want to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm still mad about how dumb I looked for playing Kalen Balaj in the pentathlon last week uh, in my super flex lineup so I'm, I'm really just off Miami right now yeah me too I mean the thing with Drake is just the touches I mean he he gores out and he only had 10 touches last week it's just uh you just can't count it it's, it's less than 10 touches the last four weeks it's just uh when you're not touching the ball enough you're relying on a huge play and it's just not something I want to do yeah easy game to almost avoid completely outside of Foster and maybe Allen if you're trying to go like real bills heavy for a tournament so your, uh, your Packers uh, finish at Lambeau. Uh, they're an eight-point favorite against the uh, Detroit Lions who just want to get the heck out of the season. Neither team has any playoff implications. Uh, on the Detroit side, uh, are you at uh, Kenny Galladay or nobody else uh, again this week? Yeah, and I think even with Galladay, he's a little bit banged up, so I'm, I'm hesitant to assume he's going to play. I kind of want to check on Sunday morning just to be sure. I mean, he was limited in practice on Thursday. It's a chest injury, so it's at least trending in the right direction, but... Even the injuries that ordinarily would let a guy play earlier in the season are ones you got to watch more closely going into to kickoff on, on Week 17. Um, Galladay could feast, though, against that Packers defense. I mean, the secondary was torched last week by Robbie Anderson and the Jets. Uh, Jair Alexander didn't practice on Thursday, so their best cover corner could be out at a groin injury. And they have no reason to push him out there. Uh, so I think with the Lions kind of being more than a touchdown underdog that's a great game script for Galladay to get another 10 12 maybe even 15 targets if uh, if Matthew Stafford gets locked in on him yeah you mentioned the targets 15 last week just a massive number and, and like you said there's just nobody else in that offense right now he's a guy that I, I want to look at some quotes but if he looks like he's going to play going to play the whole game obviously you never know with, with that injury but 6800 on FanDuel feels pretty cheap for me for a guy who's going to get a ton of volume in this game yeah, he's extremely talented. As bad as Matthew Stafford has been this year, it hasn't really tanked Kenny Galladay the way it could have. So on the Green Bay side, we saw a, a huge game from uh, from Aaron Rodgers last week. 442 yards passing, two touchdowns, also the two rush TDs, which really were the were a huge boost for uh, his lineup. There were a lot of uh, a lot of lineups that won a lot of money because of uh, Rodgers last week. It was his first game over 300 yards since week 11. He had, but he has 42 plus attempts in three of his last four. They really they really opened up this offense. Uh, do you like Rodgers uh, coming back again this week? Yeah, I do. I think the the one game where he didn't have the high volume was the Atlanta game, and the defense had a touchdown in that game, and they just didn't really have to do anything against the Falcons. It was kind of just an easy win in uh, Joe Philbin's first game as the interim head coach. Uh, I wonder if the ownership rate, I mean, last week it was just under 5% in the slant. Because of the monster game last week and because Rodgers is $800 cheaper than Patrick Mahomes on DK and he's 1100 cheaper than Mahomes on FanDuel, if the price and the monster game last week with the positive matchup against the Lions, if all that kind of comes together and makes Rodgers like 10 or 12% owned. You and I have talked about this a lot this season. I don't think quarterback quarterback ownership on a large slate really matters all that much. Yeah. So if you like him, play him. 
Uh, I think it's a perfectly good spot. The Lions are such a weak defense. Going to an implied total of 26 for the Packers. It's actually probably in the top six or seven uh, as far as implied totals on a big slate. So I do like Rodgers again this week. Yeah, even when we had weeks with uh, with shorter slates and quarterbacks who you know look like they're going to be prime players, you just, they just never get that high. There's just, there's just too many options, too many choices kind of clumped in the same price range. Yeah, I think you, you could look at this week and say, you know, if you weren't going to play Rodgers at that price, Russell Wilson is a big favorite against Arizona. He's 6,100 and 8,300, so right in the same neighborhood. The guys like that are always kind of in that middle tier, and that kind of spreads out the ownership even when you see a value on a guy like Rodgers. So Devontae Adams has has a has had a special season. It's it's been fun to kind of see him finally get some accolades this week. He's the, he's been the number one he's the number one fancy wide receiver now and through week sixteen, that's kind of what people consider the fancy season. So fun to see him uh, you know, finally kind of uh, get the attention he deserved. Uh, another monster game last week, uh, eleven catches, only seventy yards seventy one yards, but scored had eighteen targets, double digit targets four weeks in a row. The only issue with Adams is just that that needs causing him to miss practice on Wednesday and Thursday. He says he's playing, but Again, the Packers aren't playing for anything. They're a big favorite. If they if they get up or anything happens, they could shut him down in the second half. You're the you're the Packers fan. How do you feel about Adams and kind of his snap count this week? You know, the, he is a, a team record he can break if he's able to play throughout and, and play well. Uh, it's the team yardage record. He's 134 to pass Jordy Nelson. Uh, so, I mean, he's capable of doing that. He's capable of doing it even, even a half if they really target him heavily uh, early on. I would say... He's playable, uh, but as I started to build out my initial lineups, I didn't really have 8K on DraftKings to throw at my highest-priced receiver, and 8,500 on FanDuel is even more difficult to fit in. So I, I like him. I like the matchup. I think he's awesome, but this is one of those weeks where some of the other top-end receivers are slightly cheaper, and I ended up kind of gravitating towards them instead. What about uh, if uh, if we get some news that Adams, uh, you know, maybe is not full go? Is there anybody else in that passing game? Uh, Kumaro, Mark, Marcus uh, Vadlas, Scanting, Scantling, anybody you like uh, on a cheaper end to uh, to get with a Rod if uh, if if Adams doesn't play? Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting one is actually uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling because of the snaps. He's been playing a lot more than both Kumaro and Equinemia St. Brown. St. Brown suffered a concussion last week against the Jets, so I would say his status is very much up in the air for this week. Uh, I think you could throw a tournament dart really on any either of Valdez Scantling or Kumaro because Kumaro has some big playability. We saw it in the preseason. We even saw it with the long TD last week, and, and Rodgers seems to trust him downfield. So I, I think that's kind of an interesting, cheap tournament dart to throw if you want to do something that should be pretty low-owned but could actually pay off in a pretty big way. Yeah, Valdez Scantling is only 3,900, and I, I kind of hope if you want to play him that Adams does play because if he doesn't play, that, that percentage is going to go way up on MVS. But 3,900 mm-hmm. on DraftKings with nine targets last week, playing with Rodgers in a game that, uh, you know, uh, Adams, we don't know if he's going to play the whole game. Uh, it becomes really intriguing to get someone under 4,000 to pair in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think Valdez Scantling without Adams would be extremely chalky. There's yeah. a lot of people in the DFS community that will tout him, that have liked him all along. He's big, he's fast. I totally understand why they like him. Uh, but Kumaro is kind of the guy that if you don't really follow the Packers much, you've never heard of him prior to last week unless you were a Bengals fan. I think he was stuck there. unless Or unless you follow Wisconsin Whitewater football. <laughs> I, I don't. You don't? No. I, I, leave that to, I leave that to you, Wisconsinites. <laughs> we actually Fair in enough. in college we lost to a Wisconsin Whitewater in basketball in the in the Sweet 16 in Division 3. Really? Yeah, they had they had this one big uh big like 6-10 guy who looked like he was like out of a, you know, a Paul Bunyan commercial or something and he uh, he kind of dominated us down low. It was uh, it was a fun game though. 
it's kind of silly. Like for for D three, like the conference they play in, they dominate every sport. Like boys, like men's tennis, women's tennis, football, basketball, soccer, all of it. And you kind of wonder, it's like you could probably be a Mac school if you really wanted to be. Like you could start <laughs> leveling up soon because they're they're kind of located between Madison, Milwaukee, and Chicago. So you've got a few like you got one big city, one pretty good sized city, and then one decent sized one. You can pull from all three of those areas really easily and and get a lot of really good players that maybe don't have the prototypical D1 size, but could be really effective, you know, getting that playing time in a different program. I, uh, I hear you. I did not know that, that Whitewater was that dominant. I feel, I feel like I learned something today now. Well, yeah, don't, don't feel bad that you lost the Whitewater. It happens to everybody. <laughs> so moving on to a game you mentioned earlier, that we had the Jets at the Patriots. Uh, Patriots are a 13.5-point favorite over under a 45. Uh, some playoff implications here. If the Patriots uh, Patriots need to win to clinch the number two seed, which is a obviously a significant seed, gives them a, you know, a home game in the second round, gives them a bye in the first round, which is monstrous in the NFL playoffs. Uh, so they are be playing to win. Uh, if they get way ahead, you know they may sit guys late, but at least they're going to you know get there in the first place. On the Jets side, we had a lot of lineups last week that uh, Jets were huge players in, which we haven't said many times this year. And this season, Elijah McGuire scored twice. Robbie Anderson, who you mentioned earlier, uh, went off against the Packers. How do you feel about the uh, the Jets' offense this week, uh, coming back uh, for another round? I, I do like them quite a bit because the game script sets up for Darnold to have to throw it a lot. The only problem is that they're not expected to score much. The implied total is under sixteen right now. Robbie Anderson's price is up, I think, just about 1000 from where it was last week on DraftKings. So yep. he's 5600 there. He's 7000 on DK. And he was 34% owned in the slant last <laughs> week. So I wonder like, if he falls into the 15 to 20 range with the price increase. But the matchup should, again, lend itself to giving him a lot of targets. So Anderson is in the cash pool for me. The way they've been using him with Darnold playing well, the way this lines up where he's going to have to throw it 35 or 40 times, I think you can trust Robbie Anderson um, and you almost have to because the way the lineups were breaking down, you just couldn't spend up. At least I couldn't spend up and pay you know, 6K plus for all three of my receivers. I had to get down a little bit cheaper, at least for that third spot. So Robbie Anderson uh, is definitely in the circle of trust for me right now. I know it's a very dangerous thing to say because he's burned people a few times this season, but it just looks like the role has really solidified down the stretch. Yeah, it's funny. We said that last week, and we you know, we both kind of said, I, I actually think I trust him this week for cash games. And 13 targets, the targets have been trending up 7, 7, 11, and 13 last week. Nine catches for a buck 40 and a touchdown last week. Uh, monster game, he scored the last three weeks. He did struggle against New England the first time in week 12, but it was kind of before uh, the targets really started ramping up. He only had five targets in that game. Uh, I like Anderson, too. What about Elijah McGuire? You know, the volume's there, but could get game scripted out of this game. You know, 13.5-point point underdogs. Uh, did score twice last week, but it was only 14 carries for 35 yards. Uh, snuck in the uh, the pass, the receiving touchdown. Uh, do you like McGuire this week? Uh, his price has gone up, too. He's 5,300 on DraftKings, 6,300 on FanDuel. He's kind of fringy. I mean, I, I think the touch volume is still going to be good, but the efficiency could still lack. I mean, you, he's really touchdown dependent. That's That's going to be the key for him making value. Uh, but you look at last week, they didn't really get anybody else involved that much out of the backfield. Trenton Cannon had two carries and was targeted twice. So McGuire had a pretty good hold on the touches, five targets, 14 carries. Uh, I, I see it, but it's more of a tournament play than a cash play, believe it or not, because I think the the other running backs that are priced within a few hundred dollars of him are more interesting to me. 
I, uh, I like expensive tight ends this week, uh, I think, as I was looking through the slate. But uh, if you're going to go cheap, uh, 3400 bucks on DraftKings, Chris Herndon. Uh, seven targets last week, six catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. He had eight targets for seven and 57 against uh, New England in week 12. Uh, if you're going to save a little bit on tight ends, Herndon, Herndon's someone that you might go to. Yeah, Herndon and uh, Gerald Everett were the two punt plays at tight end based on their recent usage that I, I like the most this week. Uh, Herndon has a little less to compete with as far as the targets go. Once you get past Robbie Anderson, you could kind of make a case that he's their number two guy. And he's definitely exceeded expectations this year, but I think he'll cruise by with a pretty low ownership rate despite the uh, production last week and, and a few weeks uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, I agree with you there. Herndon was someone, if uh, if I'm going down, it's uh, it's probably him. I did like Everett also based on the uh, the recent targets, but I think I liked Herndon a little bit more, although he's also $600 more expensive. So that extra extra money could be pretty significant going to Everett. On the New England side, we talked about they're going to have to score. They're going to have to play hard, at least to start out with. Uh, Tom Brady, underwhelming again last week, 126 yards, one touchdown. That is zero or one TDs in six of his last eight games. Tough game script of them having a big lead. Uh, I think uh, I think I'm going to stay away from Brady this week and just kind of uh, just kind of not touch it. He'd be a tournament only play at this yeah. point, uh, which is just weird to say about Tom Brady. But the price is still fairly good, fairly affordable. So I understand why people would do it. Uh, I've been guilty of playing him too much in tournaments earlier this season, so it's been a recurring error for me. Sony Michelle is priced down right around Elijah McGuire. I think that's where. I'm, that's why I'm not playing McGuire. I think it's another yeah. run-heavy game script for New England. Implied totals 29, so I'll, I'll pay the, I'll take a hundred dollar discount. I'll play Sony Michelle at least on DK. He's 7200 on FanDuel, which may keep the ownership rate down a little bit, uh, but I actually like him quite a bit this week, just based on the way they were kind of reshaping their offense last week against Buffalo. The setup looks very similar for the Patriots, and they need to, they need to win this game to have a shot at, at having first round by so I don't think they're gonna take their foot off the gas pedal at all yeah we talked about Sony Michelle last week and kind of being underpriced and he came through uh, for both of us strong last week 18 carries 116 yards and a touchdown he had 21 carries for 133 and a touchdown against the Jets in week 12 so uh, really a game script guy if they're if they're leading he's the guy they go to if they're not it's a lot of James White but uh, you know he, he Michelle's not involved in the passing game you're not gonna catch passes zero targets last three weeks but if they get up in this game you gotta think we see a lot of Sony Michelle in the second half yeah, I, I think he could have you know twelve or fifteen carries in the second half alone, plus whatever he gets in the first half when the game's close. I mean that that's a possible season high workload for Sony Michelle this week. Anybody else in this uh, offense you like? Julian Edelman is a, a target beast. He has twelve, eleven, and ten the last three weeks, over eighty yards in five of his last six games. But I just wonder again, you know, how much is the, do the Patriots have to throw in this game? I think even last week, though, when Brady aired it out 24 times, Edelman got 10 of those targets. He did. And everything else was to the running backs and the hybrids and the tight. I mean, the Gronk got three targets, didn't catch any. But it was Burkhead, White, Corderell, Patterson, and Gronkowski that got the rest of the targets. And Edelman got his. So I think that's sort of the loose template for what they're going to do. Edelman was good in the first meeting against the Jets. And he's good pretty much every week. So no problems whatsoever with Edelman. I still like him as a cash game play on DraftKings where you're getting a full point for every catch. Uh, I do too. He's a lot. He's actually cheaper on Fanduel. He's seventy one hundred on Fanduel, but like you said, that's that's kind of the PPR aspect of it. You really want that that full point with Edelman. Yeah, I, I, I play him sometimes on Fanduel, but it just depends on how the rest of the board lines up. Any uh, any interest in going back to Gronkowski after the zero catch week? I think I'm just uh, kind of a stay away. There's other tight ends I like more. I think the way the pricing came down this week with George Kittle being almost a thousand bucks cheaper than Kelsey on DraftKings, I, I have a hard time staying away from Kittle and that's 1200 more than Gronk, but I think it's well worth it. 
So moving on to the next game, which is a, a tough one from a Week 17 angle, is the, the Carolina Panthers headed to New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is a nine-point favorite, but that's been moving around a little bit based on uh, you know whether they may sit guys, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's down to seven and a half at the at the Westgate Superbook at the moment. Um, what do you do with this game? You know, New Orleans may sit starters; they haven't really announced it. Carolina's talking about sitting McCaffrey. Is there anybody in this game you want to touch at all? Almost across the board, no. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kyle Allen starting at quarterback for the Panthers; he's third stringer. I mean, that's far from ideal. I think the the only play I've been thinking about here is Ian Thomas. I mean. Backup quarterbacks often lean on their bigger targets closer to the line of scrimmage. That's what Ian Thomas is in that offense. Uh, he's kind of taken on an increased role, of course, with Greg Olson out. He's still pretty cheap, 3300 on DK. But even then, you're subjecting yourself to the play of a third-string quarterback. Uh, for the Saints, number one seed's locked up. They're dumb if they play any of their key players. If you do see them, it's going to be for, what, two series? I mean, like there's there's no way I could play any of the Saints regulars in this matchup. In a tournament, any interest in uh, saving a bunch of money and going to third-string running back Dwayne Washington? I think with the thought that Kamara and Ingram aren't going to play very much. This Carolina defense struggled stopping Brian Hill last week, of all people. Uh, Kwan Short is likely not to play. New Orleans has a good offensive line. Uh, it's really kind of only him and, and Zach Line, their fullback, who might see carries in the second half. Uh, if you're going to try and save some money, three thousand on DK, you might get uh, you might get twelve carries out of Dwayne Washington. Yeah, you might. He's <laughs> He's under three yards per carry for his career and, and the very <laughs> limited chances he's had with the Lions and, and the Saints. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're getting a discount for a reason. And it's for me a tournament only play, even though the volume for the money might lead some to say it's a cash punt. But, uh, yeah, you could you could amazingly you could do worse for three thousand. Yeah, kind of my thought, too. That's another one where I'm going to I'm going to try to read the quotes and read between the lines, see what Sean Payton says in the next couple of days. But. I agree with you. If they if they stick Kamara and Ingram out there for any more than you know a series of two, it, it would really make no sense. And even that's tempting fate. Like you need yeah. those guys. I mean, especially Kamara. He's such a, a unique player. Like you cannot expose a player like that to injury unnecessarily. Yeah, I mean, I guess I get it with the bye week. You know, you don't want them to have two full weeks off. So maybe you know, kind of going through the pregame and getting a couple series in makes sense. But uh, any more than that, and I th- I would think it's crazy. Yeah, I I hope we'll just get some clarity with the inactives list on Sunday. That, that's what I'm really hoping for with the Saints. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I'd hold my breath on that one. I think that I don't think they'll. I think they're going to play a series or two, which is going to make it impossible to try and project. Doesn't that make it more difficult to get a look at your backups though? Like when you don't deactivate a bunch of your starters and you barely use them, that you have to you have to deactivate eight players. Like that's. I don't know. Like that just seems kind of strange. Yeah, I think I agree there. I mean, you, you only get what however fifty three active guys, and it's just uh, or forty six active guys. I guess it's tough to uh, tough to have a full second string if you if you're going to make uh, you know a bunch of guys play one series. But uh, I still think they're going to be out there for a series of two. But uh, I hope you're right. If they if the uh, the ad active this helps us out of there, I think Dwayne Washington becomes an interesting uh, kind of the most interesting play in that group. Yeah, exactly. But this could be a game to avoid completely. I mean, the McCaffrey situation is. Very much up in the air. Sure, he could play. He could play well. The Saints' run defense when everybody's out there is actually really good. Um, and you you have to deal with the fact that they're less likely to score with Kyle Allen at quarterback. Like that's that was the problem even last week too with uh, Taylor Heineke starting that game. Yeah, and he's I mean he's still really expensive. So uh, I think he's there's just too much uh, too much too many questions right there for me to pay that much money for McCaffrey this week. I completely agree. 
Dallas at the Giants. Uh, we met the other game where a team is locked into a seed. Dallas is locked into the four seed. Jerry Jones came out this week, said the Cowboys are going to try and win, try and play. It's a division rival. Uh, I think he said that in 2016, and, and they sat everybody. So uh, on the Dallas side, I'm just kind of avoiding everybody. I don't think Zeke's going to play very much. I don't think Dak's going to play very much. Uh, maybe if you wanted to save some money, Rod Smith. But DraftKings thought the same thing. They priced him up at 5500 He's still min price on FanDuel at 4500 But uh, maybe Rod Smith, if I hear Zeke is inactive, is kind of the only thing I'm touching on the Dallas side. Yeah, and it, 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 on DraftKings at that price, it's like tournaments only. Like yeah. It's really bizarre. Like it, on on FanDuel at forty five hundred, maybe you can can work him into a cash lineup if we get clarity that Zeke's totally inactive or definitely not going to play. At this point, I don't trust anything Jerry Jones says. I mean, he's <laughs> the crazy old man who pays the bills, but he's not actually making decisions in a situation like this. I would say twenty sixteen is a pretty good guide, and uh, yeah, I, I would expect Ezekiel Elliott to either be inactive or to simply not play in this matchup. Uh, Rod Smith is kind of an interesting player, but if they're resting guys, are they resting anybody in the offensive line? Like that's kind of a question too. And then of course, you know, Cooper rush at quarterback instead of Dak Prescott offense might sputter quite a bit. Uh, The Giants side of this one, it's kind of Saquon or bust. I mean, (laughs) you get him at 8,200 on DraftKings, He should be probably over 9,000. How chalky do you think Saquon Barkley is going to be in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on if you think that the Giants kind of want to ease off the gas pedal on him or not. But, uh, he, you know, he, maybe he goes for 2,000 total yards. He's a, he needs 114 yards for that mark, and I think only two rookie running backs have ever done that. So maybe they try and get him that. But uh, he's been a bit quiet the last two weeks. He had 26 touches last week, but he's 21 for 43. Their offensive line really did not look good. But, you know, if they're playing against a bunch of uh, Cowboys backups, uh, you know, maybe for the last three quarters, got to think Saquon, if they want to feed him, eats pretty well. Yeah, he was the expensive back that I, I wrote up as most likely to play in in the cash game breakdown on DraftKings. I mean, he's just he's gonna get work if he's out there. And with Dallas scaling back, I think we, we saw in the first meeting that was the game Barkley had a ton of targets. It was way back in like week two. Yeah, I think he can do a lot better on the ground efficiency wise if Dallas is resting key players on defense as well. On the on the Giants side, the passing game, you know, Odell Beckham is likely not to play again. Sterling Shepard was big last week. Did have the, the big one big fifty five yard play, but six catches for a buck thirteen on seven targets. Sixteen targets the last two weeks, and also Evan Ingram, twenty three targets the last three weeks. Uh, without Odell Beckham, he's had seventy five yards in all three of those games. Uh, do you like either guy uh, in the Giants passing game? I do like both, and I keep gravitating towards Ingram just because we saw this pattern last year too when Beckham was out. His target yep. volume goes through the roof. You know, he adds a nice option, kind of below the big three at tight end. The price is creeping up a little bit, but I think he's still very playable this week. And I think the way the volume's been breaking in these last couple of weeks, I'm comfortable enough with Ingram in cash games as well. Fifty three hundred on DK, fifty nine hundred on FanDuel. Uh, again, it's it's kind of in the the Herndon Gronkowski range and Ian Thomas range on FanDuel. And it's below the likes of Kittle and Ertz and Kelsey on DK. So I think both are very playable. But my my main lean has been Ingram more because of the state of the tight end position than anything else. Yeah, I agree there. There's I, I really like the top like four tight ends this week. And Ingram being the fourth is a, a good play. I like Shepard, too, though. 5,400 on DraftKings. You got to think the volume is going to be there. The targets are there right now. Uh, he's a talented guy. I, I do like him at 5,400. I think he's a nice uh, kind of mid-range wide receiver. Yeah, he, he absolutely is, and it seems like he's just gotten a, kind of a good good plane with Eli. It just seems like he's the guy that's underneath the lot that Eli can can actually throw to. So that's a nice nice little boost to have that. We mentioned uh, we mentioned Jameis Winston earlier. Dirk Cutter said he might uh, he might come out early. Ryan Griffin might get some snaps, so that uh, muddles this next game: Atlanta at Tampa Bay. 
Good over-under of 51 in this game. Tampa Bay is actually favored by a point. Uh, actually, that, And that shifted to Atlanta now. Atlanta is actually favored by a point, maybe on the Jameis news. So that uh, that line shifted over the last uh, day or so. Uh, on the Atlanta side, uh, it's, it's interesting. Julio Jones only played 24 snaps last week. Uh, you have to wonder you know, how much the hip and, uh, and the other injuries are, are affecting him. How much do you think the Falcons push him this week? You know, He's had a huge season. Uh, how much of the 24 snaps last week were you going into this week? I wouldn't play Julio uh, really in in any sort of cash context at all. And even tournaments, I think it's risky based on the pattern last week. I, he's another one of those guys. Like, I want the clarity. I want him to just say, we're going to rest him. He's inactive. He's not, he's not going to play. But we might not be that lucky. <laughs> uh, with a compromised Julio, I am interested in the other Atlanta pass catchers. Kelvin Ridley could go off in this matchup if you, bu- if you boost up his target volume a bit. And uh, you look at some of the other options. Austin Hooper has been quiet the last two games. I think I, I liked him last week against the Panthers because the Panthers have been so bad against tight ends this year. In tournaments, at least, I'm not afraid to go back to that well. You just may not have to with some of the other cheap tight ends on the board. So uh, it could be kind of one of those games that disappoints because of the Griffin factor, You know, because you've got uh, Atlanta going on the road. Sometimes Matt Ryan takes a big step back outside the dome. And the over-under, I think, opened close to 50. So we'll see if it actually stays there. I was kind of excited about this game. It was one of the few where the teams had nothing to play for, but they still might put up good numbers anyway. And now I'm kind of nervous about the situation. Tevin Coleman's dinged up. If we were to find out that he's not going to play, Brian Hill shoots up a lot in terms of our interest in him. Uh, Coleman didn't practice at all on Thursday with that groin injury. So it looks like there's a legitimate chance that uh, he could be sitting this one out. Yeah, I don't think Coleman's going to play. Uh, Hill becomes interesting at 3,900 on DraftKings, 5,300 on FanDuel. He was good last week, only 14 snaps, but eight carries for 115 yards. He's a guy with the, a talented guy. He's a lot of speed. He, he went to Wyoming and, you know, was a huge guy there. Um, Tampa Bay's allowed five rushes over 85 yards in, in five of the last six games. They've been definitely had on the running side. You're probably right, though. It's kind of a weird game to try and figure out, even with the high over-under, just based on the injuries and maybe the usage. But uh, I kind of like Mohamed Sanu, uh, 22 lo- targets the last three weeks. He was five for 81 in a touchdown last week. Uh, if Julio is uh, out or if Julio is going to play uh, you know, a limited amount of snaps, I think actually he's my target this, in this past game. Calvin Ridley's really boomer bust. If you want a big play, he's the guy to go to. But in a, in a DraftKings setup, we're going to get points per uh, reception. I kind of like Sanu a little bit more this week. I think the ownership rate on Ridley is always going to be higher than Sanu Agreed. because of that that ceiling, that perceived upside, which, again, I think is real. But it's just it's one of those things that's hard to quantify when the targets might actually be more heavily distributed to a guy like Sanu. So I think you're on the the right path there if, if Julio sits. The other interesting thing about this, just real quick on Tevin Coleman, what do you think he's averaging per carry this year? Uh, if you take out that one game, it's probably uh, it's probably not very good. But uh, that one game might have boosted him up, where he had the eleven for a buck thirty or whatever it was. But I'm gonna go with uh, probably like four point three yards per carry with that game in there. He's getting four point seven this year. Yeah, that's it's uh, it's better than better than the narrative. That's for sure. Yeah, it's the it's the best of his career actually, and that's with some injuries on that offensive line. I think he's a free agent at the end of the season too, so I'm really curious to see like if some other team wants to give Tevin Coleman a heavier workload if he ends up being a bargain in free agency. But um, I, I think seeing seeing the efficiency of Coleman, and again that big game against Arizona is definitely a factor that makes me a little more confident in Hill stepping into a situation that might not be as bad as we thought even you know, two or three weeks ago in that Atlanta run game. 
it seems wacky to me that with you know with the Devonte Freeman injury, uh, Coleman never got over 16 carries in a game all year. Right, and I think that's where we think he's been terrible. I mean, they had that right. run against the Saints and the Ravens where he had eight carries for six yards and six carries for eight yards, <laughs> and those are two of the top maybe three or four run defenses in the league. So to get shut down there with limited volume, it's bad, but other backs that aren't elite backs may have been shut down in that same spot if they were limited you know, to single-digit carries as well. Yeah, and they just they, when he's struggling or not, you know, not busting big ones, they just don't go back to him at all. They don't get him any kind of rhythm. He had a, he had less than ten carries three three weeks in a row in that stretch. It's just and then ten, eleven, and ten the last three weeks. Just the usage is not there, and I I don't totally get it. They were really stuck on Ito Smith for a while, but then he's been out. Um, I don't get why they don't they don't they don't feature him and try and feed him and see what they have. Wait until you get a, a Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon timeshare in San Francisco next season that people will be interested in Tevin Coleman again once that happens yeah I wonder if the uh the, you know emergence of Matt Breida maybe makes that uh hard, tough to happen uh next year but uh, I'd, I'd love to have Coleman in the Niners but uh, I think it'd be a nice weapon but especially back with Kyle Shanahan but uh, I just don't know if that's a spot they're going to spend more money on but yeah long story short Brian Hill definitely interesting this week I think Atlanta is doing a little better as far as uh creating holes in the running game than you might think based on some of the Tevin Coleman disappointment uh, earlier this season. We mentioned the uh, the Jameis news. Does that affect uh, how you feel about Mike Evans or Adam Humphreys or Cameron Brait this week? Yeah, Evans in particular. I think he was the, well, I, and I guess Chris Godwin to an extent too. I, I liked Godwin as a possible low-owned GPP play. Now I'm probably going to scratch him from the article because Ryan Griffin, like I just don't <laughs> see... I don't see a reason to trust Ryan Griffin. I'll dig a little deeper and make sure, but I, I'm frustrated because I, I wanted I wanted this game to be one that Jameis could play out because I thought Jameis could go over 300 yards, Mike Evans could have a huge day, and now i got to rethink some things with uh, the depth options in particular. So, yeah, Humphreys, I, I'd probably... I'd probably still think about playing him, but the price has gone up too. So I think it's easy It's easy to just pivot away from Tampa's passing game if Ryan Griffin's going to get some or even all the snaps. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked Humphreys coming into the week with the uh, you know the big game last week with twelve targets. He had a he had a fifty one yard catch against the Falcons uh, last time they played. Uh, Brian Poole kind of has struggled at covering slot guys, but you know I like I like Humphreys with Jameis, and it's kind of it's kind of been the narrative all year, and that's when you play him. But uh, if Jameis is going to play a half or something, uh, you know I don't think there's enough from Humphreys with the price bump for me to go to it. Yeah, Jameis tends to force feed Adam Humphreys. Uh, Jacksonville at Houston. Uh, Houston is a six and a half point favorite in this game, but low over under a 40 and a half. Uh, Houston win clinches the AFC South and a first round home game. They can get a little bit higher if New England were to lose, but uh, unlikely against the Jets. Uh, on the Jacksonville side, are you uh, doing anything with this Blake Bortles uh, again led offense? Nope. Um, I'm really not. It's uh, not really a good spot for Bortles. I mean, you've got a Houston team with everything to play for as they try to secure their playoff spot and, and improve their seating. So I look at Bortles as a guy that could be a total disaster on the road, especially. I just I don't like him. I mean, like occasionally he puts up a big game because they're playing catch up, but I I don't see it. I, I just I, I want to ignore the Jacksonville offense as much as I possibly can. Uh, on the Houston side, Deshaun Watson was big last week, 339 yards, two two passing touchdowns, then also two rushing touchdowns, similar to the Aaron Rodgers uh, game we mentioned earlier, just a, a little bit less yardage. Uh, do, you, do you worry about uh, them coming out if they're ahead late? Uh, you know, it's only a six and a half point favorite. Uh, I just, I, 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 wor- I worry about that a little bit, but I think that if they, they do well and they're up late, it's because Deshaun probably had a big game. 
yeah, I'm not too worried about the early exit uh, as a result of winning by a lot because Watson's such a, a critical part of what they do. Uh, I think the thing about Watson that's interesting is that he's likely to be low owned again, even coming off a big game. I just think the way the, the board breaks out with so many other options at quarterback, you're not really going to see things tick up much. Like he was under 5% owned in the slant last week. Probably going to be close to that again. Jacksonville, for as disappointing as they've been as a team this year, have been a good defense against the pass. 6.7 yards per attempt allowed. Only 17 passing TDs and 84 passer rating against. So it's a fairly tough matchup. Watson's pretty much matchup proof, though, anyway. Uh, the price at 6,600 on DK, 8,200 on FanDuel. Puts him in the tournament folder for me, but I think you can do it if uh, if you got the money for it. Yeah, I uh, I worry a little about the about the week seven game you mentioned. Uh, only 139 yards against them in the in the first matchup. DeAndre Hopkins is obviously awesome, but the guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, Demarius Thomas uh, tore his Achilles. He's done for the uh, done for the rest of the season. Will Fuller's obviously out. Any love at uh, 3,600 on DK for DeAndre Carter? Seven targets last week, six catches, 61 yards. Is he a spot that you think you might be able to save a little bit of money? Yeah, I think so. He's actually uh, one of those guys that uh, Mario Puig's been talking up for a couple of weeks as a oh. depth player that if he got the chance, he could he could actually do something with it. Uh, the six for 61 on seven targets against Philly, I mean, that's kind of making a layup right now based on the current state of the Eagles secondary. So this is a much tougher matchup, but you'd expect Deandre Hopkins to match up with uh, Jalen Ramsey. So Carter's going to get more favorable matchups working either on the outside or out of the slot. So I, I do like the, the setup here a little bit for Carter as a, a low price tournament option. Sacramento state. We don't get many, uh, don't many be uh, DraftKings or FanDuel plays from Sac state. No, no, we really don't. <laughs> so he's interesting. He's five, he's five, eight, one ninety, but he's a burner. I had a friend in high school whose uh, girlfriend cheated on him with a guy from Sac State, so it's always been a punchline. So I love seeing them in the news again. <laughs> so, you, so you're just going to zing that guy? I mean, unless he listens to the podcast and you already did it. <laughs> if uh, Hopefully he does, and if DeAndre Carter scores, I certainly will be sending him a, a Sac State football logo a, a, after the touchdown. <laughs> That's brutal. Uh, it's been a lot of years. I think he's all right now. Uh, the, any, any interest in the Texans' defense? Uh, they're expensive on FanDuel at 5000 but uh, a little more workable on DK at 3300 Jackson was giving up 12 sacks last two weeks, and uh, we've got Blake Bortles, so there's always, there's always a chance of some interceptions. Yeah, 50 sacks on the season, 12 picks. Yes, if you can afford it, especially on DK where it's relatively uh, a better price, absolutely. I would, I would play the Texans' defense this week. Moving on to the uh, the one o'clock games, we have the Chargers at Denver. Uh, a Chargers win and a Chiefs loss, and the Chargers are actually the, the one seed. But uh, you know the Chiefs play the Raiders, so very unlikely to lose. But so how do you feel? How do you feel like uh, Los Angeles moves this one? Uh, you know, obviously they want to win, they have a chance to move up, but they're locked in the five seed. Otherwise, if Kansas City gets up in their game, do you think that the Chargers pull back on Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen with their you know they've had some and been banged up the last few weeks? How do you feel the Chargers kind of play this game and play the scoreboard? Yeah, I think that's definitely one way it could go, where if, if the Chiefs are, are doing what they're expected to do, Melvin Gordon gets a lot of rest in the second half. Austin Eckler is supposed to be back this week, so getting him some reps might be something they want to do anyway. Um, I, I think this is one of the reasons why Melvin Gordon, for me, was behind Saquon Barkley as far as yep. your, your high-end running backs for cash games. I think there's just some risk that you're not going to get the usual volume. And even last week, in, in a close game against the Ravens, he only had 15 touches in his first game back off the injury. So... 
some questions about the workload, some questions about just how effective he's going to be. I thought he actually looked okay. I just the Ravens defense played really well in that matchup on Saturday. So I think I'm staying away from Gordon, probably staying away from Keenan Allen as well for the reason you mentioned. And uh, it's kind of a, a weird situation to have a good team like the Chargers where you don't really want to play anybody. Yeah, it is odd. I just, you know, if Kansas State was playing almost anybody else, I would probably feel a little better about them. But if, you, you know, if they look up and it's, 24 to 3 at halftime, you got to think they pull back on Gordon and Allen. It just doesn't make sense to, to risk those guys, especially because they'll be playing the very next week. Yeah, and I, I think it I think it will be 24 3 at <laughs> halftime or something close to it. So uh, that that's definitely a, a likely sort of outcome. And it's weird because even if you want to take advantage of maybe Gordon playing less with Eckler's return, he's not cheap. He's 5,400 on DraftKings, 5,800 on FanDuel. So, I mean, it's, it's not unplayable, but I just think the rest of the board sets up in a way where I'm not going to be making enough lineups to throw Eckler out there this week either. Uh, if you were going to play a Charger, would you go to like a Mike Williams this week? I mean, if you think Keenan Allen's going to get rest, somebody's got to be out there playing or Tyrell Williams. Like, do you have a secondary pass catching option that you want to lean on? Or do you think it's a case where, you know, Phillip Rivers might be getting some rest as well? Yeah, I worry about Rivers a little bit. If they get a big lead, I think they probably take him out too. But it's probably Mike Williams for me just based on the fact that he's kind of their big play red zone guy. Uh, he's the one that can be explosive. You know, he throws up some stinkers too. He had he had one catch for seven yards last week. But 4900 on, on on DraftKings, he dropped from 6100 the week before. His price, his price has been fluctuating everywhere after that big game against the Chiefs. Uh, he'd probably be the guy that I'd slot in there if I wanted to go. Obviously, a tournament play only, but... If I thought that uh, maybe the Raiders hang around for a little bit and, and the Chargers have to keep going, keep the keep the pedal down, I think it's Mike Williams for me at 4,900. I was kind of surprised when I looked at the line for this game. It's a little closer than you would think, and, and maybe that's the recency bias of Denver just looking awful against the Raiders on Monday night that uh, makes me think that way. But Denver at home has been pretty pesky all season. They're six and a half point home underdogs. The Chargers have been a little bit leaky against the run. And if Denver's going to keep it close, it's going to be because the Broncos have found a way to, to run the ball effectively with some combination of Royce Freeman and, and Devontae Booker. Do you have any interest in the Denver backfield with Philip Lindsay out? I mean, I think you have to on DraftKings. I mean, Freeman is 3,500. Also on FanDuel, he's 4,700. I just, I don't know how much I trust this whole offense. I don't know how much I trust Vance Joseph in what is probably his last game. Uh, you know, he was only, Royce Freeman was only seven carries for 21 yards against Oakland last week, but you got to play him. You got to like him as a player just based on the volume. Booker's going to be the third down guy. If they get far behind, he's going to be the guy. But you got to think they want to look at Freeman just kind of moving towards next year. You know, if you're looking at it from that aspect of it, you got to see, you know, he hasn't had a lot of carries since earlier in the year. He's been hurt. Lindsey's been really good. Um, you know, the, the, you said, you mentioned the Chargers run D. They gave up uh, 92 yards to Gus Edwards last week, two touchdowns to Damian Williams in week 15. And 111 yards to Joe Mixon in week 14. So it's you know, three weeks in a row they've really been uh, you know run against pretty well from a fantasy angle. I, I kind of think you have to you have to consider Freeman pretty strongly, even though uh, you know he hasn't done much all year at that price and the setup. Uh, gotta like it. Yeah, the recent trends are, are favorable for Denver to be able to run on this defense, and even for the season, 4.4 yards per carry allowed by the Chargers. It's higher than I would have expected. I, I thought they would be closer to like an even four in that facet. So I think you can beat them in that facet of the game and as long as it doesn't get out of hand early Royce Freeman at that price especially on DK but really on both sides is very much playable for me 
fully fully agree there. What about the passing game? Uh, Deshaun Hamilton's kind of been the uh, the guy everybody likes right now. Huge targets lately, 9, 12, and 9 last three games. Hasn't topped 50 yards in any of those games, though. Does have 20 catches, so probably more of a DraftKings play at 5,000 than FanDuel where you get the full point per reception. Uh, tough matchup against the Chargers secondary, but a nice game script if they get behind in this game. If the Chargers do come out you know, well in the first half, you might be see a lot of Deshaun Hamilton in the second half. Uh, is he a guy you're considering at the, at the price on DK? I think the price has ticked up enough on Hamilton where I'm, I'm staying away. I think you can find other receivers around 5K that have better quarterbacks and uh, might be a little more efficient with their yardage. So I'm looking at Tim Patrick and, and Sutton and wondering, okay, who gets tougher coverage out of those two guys? Like, is there an angle with one of those guys for tournaments? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, like you said with the quarterback, with Case Keenum, I just don't really know what we're going to get here. The Charters have a good uh, good secondary um, I think there's other receivers that we mentioned earlier that I like that are, they're cheaper, so I don't need to delve into those other uh, you know secondary Broncos guys. Yeah, I mean the 10-8-5 pattern for uh, Tim Patrick's targets trending in the wrong direction now. I thought he'd do a little <laughs> more against the Raiders, so easy to kind of just say, yeah, let's let's not mess with Case Keenum and and rely on him for for production this week when you can get other cheap receivers that are in better spots. So let's jump to that other AFC West game. We have the we have the Raiders and the Chiefs. We mentioned, you know, this game impacts the the one before it. Uh, the Chiefs win. They get the number one seed. Obviously a huge factor for the Chiefs. They have a big home field advantage, maybe one of the bigger bigger ones in the whole NFL. If they can get uh, if they can get uh, whoever they see, the Patriots or the Chargers, if they can get them at home uh, for those uh, those two games, a uh, huge edge there. So they're gonna be playing hard, but they're a thirteen and a half point favorite. You know, we do have a risk here of them sitting guys in the second half, but at least they have to get there before they do that. Uh, how do you feel about the Kansas City offense uh, started? Let's start on that side. How do you feel about this offense going into this game? Obviously, a great matchup. Uh, how worried are you about them playing uh, limited playing time? Uh, what, what's your feeling the Chiefs this week? I kind of think the Chiefs are like the Warriors in NBA <laughs> DFS, where they're probably going to use their stars to blow out the Raiders in the first three quarters. And then, yeah, maybe you see backups in the fourth quarter, but it doesn't matter because what they'll do in those first three quarters is going to be better than what a lot of teams do over the course of four, especially in a goofy week 17 where a bunch of teams are arresting guys for partial or full games. So they've got the highest implied total on the board. I think you can justify paying up for Mahomes this week. He's 7,100 on DraftKings, which is a lot on, on DK for a quarterback, but I'm perfectly fine with that with Andy Reid having to keep his foot on the gas pedal for, I would assume at least three quarters. I mean, you, you have to you have to make sure the Raiders can't come back late in this game if you're the Chiefs. So uh, I like Mahomes. I think in order, like Mahomes-Kelsey would be my preferred combo. Um, no problem with trying to find the room for Tyreek Hill if you can if you can do it. Pair him with Mahomes. The running game is where I'm a little bit tricked, like tripped up. Like I'm trying to look at Spencer Ware and Damian Williams and figure out expected usage, and they might share that workload so evenly that both guys at their price end up being kind of tough to justify. Yeah, I fully agree there. I'm a, I'm a stay away from the Chiefs running backs this week. I mean, there if you want to you know throw a tournament dart and trying to figure out you know which one scores the touchdowns, you know by all means go for it. But you know, Damian Williams is 6100 on DraftKings, 6900 on FanDuel. I just don't think uh, I think the price is right, good enough for him to uh, be splitting carries, which I think is going to happen with him and Spencer Ware. But uh, the guy's interesting to me is Tyreek Hill. You mentioned him earlier. He's under 8,000 on FanDuel. I really like him there. Three of the last four weeks, under 75 yards, no touchdowns the last four weeks. I think Andy Reid and Mahomes are going to try and get him going, especially that they're likely to have a bye. I think they're going to want him to have a, you know, kind of one big game before you start in the playoffs. He still has 30 targets last three weeks. When you get Tyreek Hill with targets um, against a really bad defense, I like that combo. 
He's 8,400 on DraftKings. He's a lot, he's, you know, 600 more expensive there, which you don't see very often comparing the two sites. Uh, he's one of my favorite FanDuel plays this week. Uh, you could pair him up with Mahomes, but that gets really expensive. But even as a standalone, I really like Tyreek Hill to make a, make a couple big plays this week against the Raiders. Yeah, it's a short list of receivers that have a 2x point projection over their salary on FanDuel, and Tyreek Hill is one of them, and he's certainly capable of, of doing a lot more than that. I mean, the projection's kind of the, the meaty part of the curve, of course, but Hill can go off for 25 points, uh, even on FanDuel, in a, on a big day, and the Raiders can give up big plays uh, at a level that few defenses can match. So there's a, quite a bit to like with Tyreek Hill. I agree with you. I think they're going to want to try and emphasize him could be a way to kind of get the kill shots earlier in the game, too. Yeah. You get a few big plays early, open up that lead. You can kind of sit back, run Spencer Ware, run Damian Williams a lot more, uh, expose Patrick Mahomes a little bit less. I mean, I don't really worry about the Chiefs all that much against the Raiders because the Raiders have no pass rush whatsoever. Like, I, I just think this is a, a really easy spot for the Chiefs to do kind of whatever they want to Oakland's defense. Yeah, and Mahomes had 295 yards and four touchdowns against them in Week 13, also 52 rush yards. So uh, I'm uh, I'm fully fine if you want to play it, pay it from Mahomes and get cheap elsewhere. I I fully think that's a good strategy too, and I think that, like you said, they're going to have to put the put the gas down at least and get to the you know 31 points before they sit Mahomes. And if that's the case, uh, I'm fine playing them. Travis Kelsey, I'm fine playing with too. He is expensive, 7700 on Fanduel, 7200 on DraftKings. Needs 53 yards to uh, break the record for receiving yards by a tight end of the season. I have to imagine to get him that and get him that early so to make sure that they kind of take care of that. He has at least five catches in every game except for week one. That's pretty amazing for a tight end. Yeah, he's been a monster this year. I think it's going to be interesting to see with the pricing on Kittle on both sides. $1,000 less, $6,700 on FanDuel and 6300 on DraftKings, if that pulls the ownership rate on Travis Kelsey down lower than it should be in a matchup like this. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know Zach Ertz having that huge game last week uh, helps. Also, he's he's cheaper than uh, cheaper than Kelsey on DraftKings. I think he's a little bit more expensive on Fanduel, but 16 targets last week. So I think that uh, I think that Kittle and or Kittle pulls some away. I think Ingram pulls a lot away, and I think that uh, you know Kelsey and Ertz kind of split at the top too. I think it's an interesting week for tight ends where I really like the top four, and that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah, it seems like it's about once every four weeks at most where you get a group that big that you can rely on near the top of the price list. So what about, we talked about game flow here, and maybe the Chiefs scoring a bunch early. Coming back in the second half, is there anything in the in the Raiders offense you maybe like coming back? Jordy Nelson has been super active all of a sudden the last four weeks. He was he was really down, and all of a sudden he's back. At least uh, six catches the last four games. Not a ton of yards, but a nice PPR guy. He has 36 targets the last four weeks. He had uh, he had 10 for 97 on 11 targets against the Chiefs in Week 13. Uh, the game script sets, sets up well for him. Do you trust Jordy Nelson under 5,000 on DraftKings? I, I do, actually, because the volume has been so steady. The setup is such that Derek Carr is going to have to probably air it out. And with that, I mean, Nelson has a shot to get to the 14 to 16-point range again. Uh, he's been... 14 or better in three of his last four and even got to 10 against the Steelers with six for 48. So I, I don't know if I like him as much on FanDuel, even though he's still cheap over there. But it just seems like Carr's been really locking in on him over these last four games. And I would expect that to continue just by necessity. I mean, the game that started all this was their first meeting against Kansas City at home back in week 13. So I think if you're looking at Nelson, he's kind of a, a slightly more interesting like Larry Fitzgerald type. Yep. Same price on DK this week. I think you can play one of those guys pretty easily given that both are big underdogs on the road this week. We mentioned the you know the four tight ends and how popular they might be. Jared Cook's 5,500 on DK, 6,000 on FanDuel. Kind of the same game script, obviously, as Nelson. 
Um, only uh, only eight targets the last couple weeks. He only had 43 yards. Been quiet, but he had 100 yards and a touchdown against Kansas City in the Week 13. Obviously, a tougher road environment this time, both for him and for Derek Carr. Uh, Cook's going to be low percentage. Going to slide under the radar this week. Do you like him kind of in, in a tournament setup? With uh, with that being said. Yeah, as long as his rib injury is you know a non-issue come Sunday, yeah, I think Jared Cook in tight end uh, in, in tournaments as a tight end makes a ton of sense because he is uh, because of the production tailing off the last two weeks, people are going to be less confident in him than they probably should be. He's so good after the catch, like I, I think people still underrate that about Jared Cook, even though uh, he's been doing this his entire career. It's just one of those things where he's been so up and down from a fantasy standpoint that there's less trust with him than there should be. Any uh, any interest in Derek Carr fifty one hundred on DK if you wanted to save some money and uh, spend elsewhere? I understand why people would do it, but I myself am not going down that path. I, I trust them a lot more at home than on the road. If this were uh, like the Week thirteen matchup in Oakland or something, and they were ten point dogs or something, then maybe I would do it. But I don't like him as much on the road. I, I fully agree, especially going into Arrowhead. I'm not going to mess with that myself. Uh, next game, uh, Niners headed to the Rams. Uh, Rams are a 10-point favorite. The Rams need to cl- need a win to clinch the number two seed and a bye. Obviously, uh, big importance there. Uh, you know, obviously, same same theory with the Chiefs that uh, you know if they do get way ahead through three quarters, they may sit some guys. We're going to have to score to get there. Uh, starting on the on the visitor side, the Niners. Uh, you mentioned George Kittle, sixty three hundred on DraftKings, sixty seven hundred on FanDuel. He's let, he's uh, you know cheaper than Kelsey. Obviously, huge target volume. Uh, Twelve targets last week, eight plus targets each of the last six weeks. Him and Nick Mullins have connected really really well since Mullins took over. Uh, good game script. They're going to be uh, you know by Vegas standards, they're going to be trailing in the second half. Uh, I love Kittle. Anybody else you like besides Kittle in this uh, in this matchup? That's pretty much it for me. I think uh, Jeff Wilson is kind of interesting with Breida out. I mean, he's still just 4,400 on DraftKings. He catches passes. So even if San Francisco's playing from behind as expected, he'll still be involved in that facet, but probably a little more of a turn play than a cash game play at this point. Uh, the only other guy I want to note who I kind of like this week is Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Dante Pettis got hurt. He's not going to play. Uh, I don't think Marquise Goodwin's going to play. He hasn't practiced. They may He may try and get it out and get out there, but I don't think he's going to play. Nice game script. He had uh, five targets last week for seventy-three yards. He's got a little bit of a, a little bit of boost to him. He's got a little bit of a, a speed. I liked what I saw last week. I think if you want to save some money and go super low percentage, thirty-eight hundred DraftKings Kendrick Bourne may be a, a really nice money-saving play this week. Yeah, I mean, with with Pettis and Goodwin both potentially out, that really does uh, open up some targets. So somebody has to catch passes behind George Kittle. At least we we think someone has to catch passes <laughs> behind Kittle. So I think the, the Bourne call makes some sense. Uh, on the Rams side, you know, kind of same as the Chiefs. They got to got to score to get there first. Uh, do you like uh, Jared Goff? Looked better last week, still only one touchdown. Uh, the Rams obviously need to win this game, but he's he's such a different player at home versus on the road. And they're on the, they're on the home they're at home in this game. Nine point one uh, YPA with eighteen touchdowns, only four interceptions at home, averaging over three hundred yards a game. Only seven point six YPA on the road with ten touchdowns and nine interceptions. Uh, how do you feel about Goff this week? He's uh, he only had two hundred two yards and two touchdowns against the Niners in Week Seven, but they kind of went off the gas late. He only had twenty four pass attempts. Uh, how much do you like Goff this week against the Niners? I think if you can't get to either Ben against the Bengals or Mahomes against the Raiders, you can probably play Goff and cash this week. He's sixty two hundred on DraftKings, so he's a little cheaper than Aaron Rodgers at home. I trust him a lot more than on the road, given the uncertainty with Todd Gurley this week. I want to lean a little more on the passing game than the running game. I know we're all going to be excited about C.J. Anderson again if (laughs) Gurley gets ruled out because he looked so good last week, but that was against Arizona, and Arizona's run defense is horrible. So 
you know, you got to temper your expectations accordingly. I, I think Goff and, and Robert Woods are, are both underpriced. Woods by a, a mile. Like, I, I don't understand the Robert Woods pricing at all right now. He's 6900 uh, on DraftKings, uh, one of the best values at wide receiver really at any price point this week. Yeah, I mean, he's just so consistent. 60-plus yards every game since week one, seven-plus targets in each of the last five weeks, 20 catches the last three weeks, so super involved, super active, especially with Cooper Cup uh, you know, done for the year. I agree with you. I think he's underpriced also. He's you know under 8000 on Fandle, under 7000 on DK. I really like a, a Goff Wood stack this week, probably my favorite uh, quarterback receiver stack. I also like, uh, if you want to get a little trickier, I kind of like a Goff uh, Brandon Cook stack also if you wanted to uh, go there. 6,500 on DK. He's been really quiet lately. Uh, hasn't scored the last six weeks. Under 65 yards the last four weeks. Kind of the same as my thoughts on Tyreek Hill. You mentioned kind of the early knockout punch. I think Brandon Cooks is that guy for the Rams. Only three targets last week. I think McVay is going to try and get him involved. Uh, especially they're going to have a bye likely in week one. I think they're going to try and get him involved this week. I think a big play is coming for Cooks. I think he, he scores in a long touchdown in the first half. It's an easy call for me, too, where it's, it's Woods and Cash every single time, and it's Cooks in tournaments yep. because you're getting a slight discount. And the ownership rate last week on Woods was about three times as high as it was on Cooks. So I, I would expect it, it, a it should, similar it, pattern it this be, week, too. I think, it, I think it will be again, too. I think you know Woods has been so much better, and Cooks has come in kind of quiet. I think that I think the ownership is a, is a huge factor there for me. Yeah, I think Woods might get up above 20% this week because he was at about 17 last week. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think uh, I agree on on Woods and Cash and Cooks and tournaments, but Cooks is probably my uh, my favorite uh, lower percentage receiver this week. I think he, I think the big plays coming. I think you might get a couple of them. Yeah, he's he's capable of doing a lot with very few targets, and the way they're using him earlier this season, I'm still pretty optimistic about him having a prominent role this week and into the postseason. All right, uh, fighting through a few more games here. We've got uh, the Bears at Minnesota. The Bears need a win and a Rams loss to earn the number two seed, so not very likely. Another situation that probably like the Chargers going to be scoreboard watching. Vikings are in the playoffs with a win, so this is a huge, uh, huge game for the Vikings. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, the Vikings offense in this game? The receivers are priced down, so I think you can take your shots with Thielen or Diggs. Uh, Diggs being a little cheaper is a little more appealing to me. You wonder which Bears defensive players are going to rest and, and how effective they're going to be in coverage. Um, I like Kirk Cousins a lot more at home than on the road. Kind of true of pretty much every quarterback in the league right now. But, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where your confidence level in the pass catchers goes up because of the situation. Uh, Delvin Cook, I think, is very playable again this week as well. I'm kind of curious to see where the ownership rate checks in. I think people are still going to be kind of afraid of the Bears defense, even yeah. in these circumstances. So uh, you can play Delvin Cook. I think you can even throw him in, in tournaments and the ownership rate's going to be low enough where if he does go off and he's certainly capable of it, uh, he ends up being someone that brings down a tournament. Yeah, Diggs was big against this Bears defense in Week 11. He had 13 catches for 126 yards on 18 targets. But the targets have been down the uh, last four weeks. Him, Both him and Thielen, they've been running the ball a lot more. Uh, he's 5, 6, 7, and 6 in targets the last four weeks. Thielen only has 15 targets the last three weeks. So you're right on the price, though. They they have come down. They're both uh, they're both way under 8,000. They were over 8,000 for a while. Uh, just the Vikings running it more. Uh, is there is there a, a guy you prefer if you had to, if you were to play one of the receivers? Is there, is there someone you like more this week? It, uh, it's the savings on Diggs. Um, I, I just I, he's cheaper everywhere. He's seven thousand on DraftKings, sixty seven hundred on FanDuel. He's twenty four dollars on Yahoo if you're playing over there. Thielen's thirty seventy two hundred and seventy four hundred. So it's a pretty nice discount for a guy that often gets a similar volume of targets when things are going well in that Vikings offense. Uh, with the way the game sets up and the Bears maybe sitting guys, uh, I'm not touching anybody on the Bears offense this week. Are you the same, or is there anybody you like? 
not playing any bears whatsoever this week. I think they could completely go into shell mode and it could uh, be early in that game too. I fully agree. Let's jump up to the next game. It's a little more interesting. Uh, We have the Bengals at the Steelers. The Steelers need to win and have the, uh, the the Ravens lose to win the AFC North. So they, uh, they need some help from the Browns. Uh, Pittsburgh's favored by 14 and a half in this game. Obviously the Bengals are super banged up with no Andy Dalton, no AJ green. Uh, quickly on the Bengals side, uh, Joe Mixon, 6,700 on DK, 7,500 on FanDuel. Uh, I think the biggest risk with him is just game script. They get behind. There's no reason for them to push him. I just I just wonder how much he's going to touch it if they get behind in this game and the, the Bengals kind of shut it down. Yeah, I think with Mixon, he's a great tournament play, though. I mean, it comes with a lot of risk, but he's priced down at 6700 on DraftKings. If you think there's a path for the Bengals to keep it close, keep it within two touchdowns, if you think there's a way they get on the board early, he's probably how they do it. And he had a pretty rough setup against the Chargers a few weeks ago on the road in week 14. Chargers defense knew that he was really their only weapon, and he went off against them. So it's a tougher matchup because the Steelers are a better run defense than the Chargers. But Joe Mixon is a very talented player that I think a year from now could be a frequent $8,000 running back based on usage and based on talent. So to get a player like that at this price in these conditions, it sets up to be a really interesting tournament play, even though the range of outcomes is huge. It really is, and you know, being the last week of the season, I, my my concern is if it's you know twenty one to six at halftime, they just maybe shut him down. He, you look over there, and he's wearing a parka for the second half. Oh, I mean, it's entirely possible, but the Bengals are dumb. So I think <laughs> if, if we want to like leverage how stupid they are and and kind of predict what they might do, they might be dumb enough to run Joe Mixon out there for twenty five touches, even if they're losing by two touchdowns throughout this game. That is, a, that is an excellent point, and Mixon's obviously supremely talented. So at that price, he, you're right. I think you're right. He's a tournament guy, but uh, I'm uh, I'm a little worried about the second half with uh, with this game. But starting on the uh, going on the Steelers side, Ben Roethlisberger seven thousand on DK, eighty seven hundred on FanDuel. Great matchup. The Bengals can't stop anybody right now. They've pretty much packed it in, and they just kind of want to get this season done with. Uh, same kind of situation as the, as the Chiefs. Uh, you know, if they uh, if they sit guys, it's only because they've scored a lot of points early. Uh, do you like Ben this week? Do you like the running game? Kind of where do you fall with trying to get some uh, activity out of the Steelers' offense? I do think Ben is fine. I just think when you look at Ben versus Mahomes, I feel a lot better about Mahomes because I think I have less confidence in the Chiefs' running game compared to the Steelers' running game. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do with James Conner. Yep. Conner was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. We'll see where he's at coming out of Friday. If he's full go for Sunday... I still think it's more of a timeshare where Jalen Samuels is out there catching some passes. They probably try to ease Connor back in. Both of those backs could go crazy sharing the workload because Cincinnati's been so bad against the run. But it does create this weird situation where it's a little bit like Kansas City. You look at them both. You, you like both players. The prices are even a little higher, I think, on Connor and Samuels than they are on Spencer Ware and Damian Williams. And you want to play them. But with, their, with both of them being out there and with the uncertainty, it's hard to do it outside of maybe a tournament dart. So how do you see them breaking James Conner back in if he is, in fact, back in the game plan this week? If it was a, if it was a normal team, I would assume that uh, they're going to kind of ease him in and split carries, but the Steelers seem to just ride running backs. Whenever they have a guy that's the number one for that game, he's the number one for that game, and it's kind of always been the case, whether it's been James Conner or Le'Veon Bell or you know even uh, even Williams when, they, when he was the guy or Jalen Samuels last couple of weeks. It seems like they just – they kind of ride with one guy and get the momentum going. So uh, I just worry that the you know Connor's still priced pretty high, seven hundred on DraftKings, eight thousand on FanDuel. 
I just worry about game script. I worry about uh, them resting guys. I'm worried about, you know, they're going to have to play. If they get in, they're going to have to play next week. So I just think they take it a little bit easy on Connor, but uh, I just don't know. The way they ride running backs, it, it's hard to figure out. But I'm kind of just staying away, I think, and kind of watching and seeing what happens. Yeah, I think the player I'm, I'm leaning towards most frequently from the Steelers is Juju, yet again. I mean, he's 8,300 on DraftKings, 7,900 on FanDuel. That's kind of the sweet spot. Is the FanDuel price on Juju Smith-Schuster is where I'm most likely to invest in the Pittsburgh offense this week, even though there's a lot to like. They just may spread the ball around enough, maybe able to just kind of run it throughout the second half because the Bengals are horrible. Like it, just, it might not be a high-volume game for the passing attack. Yeah, I mean, Juju Smith, you know, 15 targets last week, double-digit targets the last three games, at least nine targets in six straight, and he's just – he's a monster. He's a, he's developed into a, into a huge receiver. The, the second-half game script worries me a little bit, but I think that they they probably score a bunch with them getting there first. Uh, Antonio Brown was a monster last week, 19 targets, 14 for a buck 85. You know he has three games all year where he hasn't scored a touchdown? Jeez. I, and somehow people think he's having a down year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I like – Pretty much everything in the Steelers offense. I think I'm going to avoid the running backs, but uh, I really like a, a Ben Juju stack on FanDuel with uh, him under 8000 I agree with you there. I think that that, that price is, is is just too low. Yeah, Ben's price is, uh, you know, it's it's expensive on both sites, but I, I think you can find the 8700 on FanDuel a little easier than you can find the 7K on DraftKings. Yeah, I agree with you there. And with, with Juju being cheaper on FanDuel, I think he's more intriguing as kind of a stack play on that site too. Yeah, the, I think you've got that exactly right. Cardinals headed to Seattle. Seattle's locked into the five or the six seed, so they can move around a little bit, but they can't uh, They can't impact too much. They can't impact uh, you know whether they play at home or on the road or getting a buy or anything like that. Uh, I wonder in a game where they're favored by 13.5 if they pull some starters late. My favorite guy uh, starting the Seattle side is probably Chris Carson. He has been getting fed the last few weeks, 90, 119, and 116 yards the last three weeks, 22-plus carries all three weeks. The Cardinals just getting thrashed. I mean, they got owned by C.J. Anderson, of all people, last week for 167 yards. Tevin Coleman had that big game we talked about earlier, 145 yards the week before. Uh, great game script. I just wonder how much do you think they ride him in a, in a road, you know, with a road game next week, needing him next week? How much do you think they ride him in the second half? They could back off him in the second half, but Carson could get to 15 carries in the first half, yeah. you know, find the end zone once, maybe even go over 100 yards and there's a possibility that he gets over 20 carries again. The price should be higher. I do like him quite a bit. I think he's cash game viable. I also think Chris Carson's the kind of player that a team like the Seahawks will play more than like a, you know, Cowboys team would play Ezekiel Elliott. I think right. the other thing to keep in mind is that going on the road to play Dallas as the five seed, uh, Dallas is locked to the four, is a lot easier than going on the road and possibly playing the Bears or the Rams if you end up at the six seed and have to go play the three. So I think that's kind of in the minds of the Seahawks as well. There's a pretty strong preference this year of being the five seed as opposed to being the six seed. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, there are a lot of articles this week were like, oh, they're in the playoffs, but uh, you're right. That's a, that's a pretty big difference. I wouldn't want to go to Soldier Field or to play the Rams on the road uh, week one. So I think that's a pretty, a pretty, a really good point right there. And it makes me like Carson maybe a little bit more. Uh, what about Doug Baldwin? He's uh, finally coming on, you know, started off slowly with the injuries. Uh, 12 targets last week, 126 yards and a touchdown. Four TDs the last three games, five over the last five weeks. Uh, I guess I wonder is you know the thing with Seattle always with the you know, thirteen half point spread is will they throw the ball enough and do you trust ba- Doug Baldwin enough to get enough volume this week? I, I think because he can get such a, a large share of their targets, even though that volume is limited, uh, Baldwin is cash game viable. He's still cheap, and it just comes down to how much exposure you're willing to have. If you're going to play Carson, do you also want Baldwin in the same lineup? I'm just a little bit hesitant to have too much 
of the Seahawks offense, even in a game where they're implied to score a lot because they get kind of run heavy at times. And, and that does scale back on the ceiling a little bit. Like, I, I think it's a perfectly fine play. But for me, it's just one or the other with Carson or Baldwin and a situation where I don't want them both in the same lineup. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think that uh, I think Baldwin's an interesting tournament guy, you know, based off the volume last week. But I just I just don't think they throw the ball a ton, and I I want uh, I want more volume than that if I'm going to play a wide receiver on the Arizona side. You mentioned Larry Fitzgerald earlier, kind of a, a PPR guy, uh, nine, eight, and nine targets the last three weeks. Uh, you know, the yardage hasn't been high, only you know over 55 yards in one of those three games, but 18 catches. You know, obviously a lot of points for PPR. Maybe in a nice game script guy, he might be a, a PPR floor kind of guy. Maybe, you know, you mentioned him with Jordan Nelson. I kind of put them in the same boat, too. Yeah, I mean, the difference is the Cardinals are only projected for 12 and a half points. Oh, the Raiders are projected geez. for 19 and a half. I haven't seen a 12 and a half before. No. It doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just haven't seen it before. Um, Fitz probably scores his last game, potentially, in the NFL. Uh, he's the kind of guy that seems like he scores on his way out. You know, six for 80 on 12 targets and a touchdown. I, I could live with that if... If of those 12 and a half points, Larry Fitzgerald scores six and uh, their dumb kicker gets the other six, that, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> you don't see many games where a 13 and a half point favorite with an over under a 38 and a half. It's rare. <laughs> it's very it's, it's like a Big Ten spread and over under. A uh, couple of games left before I let you go to your uh, next obligation. The Eagles at the Redskins. The Eagles are in with a win and a Vikings loss, so they are certainly playing for something. You know, although they'll be they'll be scoreboard watching a little bit, but you got to think the Eagles are are full bore in this game. Uh, you had a great call last week with Nick Foles at the the cheap DK salary. He was a monster. I appreciate you helped me out on that one. I did use him on DK in, in one lineup. Four hundred seventy one yards, four touchdowns against the Texans. Uh, the, the skins pasty has been good recently, but that was against Tennessee and Jacksonville. So I kind of throw those out the window when you get those two pass offenses. Uh, Eli did have a, a three touchdown game on them in, in week 14. Uh, I guess my question for you is you like Foles again this week. He's not bad, uh, but I, I don't think I don't think I'm doing it. I, I think even with their situation where they, they need to win to give themselves a shot to get in. Uh, going on the road's a little tougher. I mean, I think having some exposure to Foles would be fine, but I think if I'm going to that price range, I actually like Lamar Jackson on both sides as the play this week. I think the way I look at Baltimore is that their defense could completely suffocate the Browns' offense. Jackson might be working a lot of short fields. I think the Ravens outscore the Eagles this week. So if I'm looking in that range, I'm Jackson over Foles, but I still think the price on Foles is very reasonable. I'm uh, I'm Foles over Jackson. I just think that uh, I think the Redskins have kind of packed it in. I think that uh, I like uh, the way they're using Alshon Jeffrey. I love Zach Ertz. I just think Foles has a few more weapons, and I think Lamar Jackson, you know, probably has to score on the ground twice to me to beat to beat out Nick Foles. Jeffrey's a huge bargain still. I mean, I, I love the price on him. Yeah, if you want to throw a tournament dart on Nelson Aguilar, he's been getting a lot of targets. Golden Tate's kind of fading away these last few weeks. Aguilar's under 4K on DraftKings. I mean, that's a crazy low price for for tournaments. Yeah, I like uh, I like Jeffrey too. It seems like he's he's kind of their deep guy when when Nick Foles is there and they're taking some shots with him. Uh, Aguilar is interesting. You know, he obviously is a big play guy and 3800 on 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 DraftKings after the seven targets last week and the, the big touchdown catch we all saw. Uh, he's interesting too. Uh, how do you feel about Zach Ertz? 16 targets last week, just a monster of a season. Set the record for most receptions by a tight end in a season last week. Uh, seven plus target each of the last five weeks. Uh, do you have a preference this week between him or Kelsey? I know you like Kittle too. Yeah, I mean, I, I still like to pay down and save that money and go to Kittle if I can, but uh, I have no problem with Ertz if the money is there under the cap. I kind of thought the 
Foles isn't using Ertz enough thing was a little overblown going into last week, but I, I wasn't alone. He was like 20% owned in the slant. So, I mean, whatever, you know, people got, a lot of people got rewarded with their, their faith in Zach Ertz. So no hesitation here to use him. If you can make the pieces fit uh, in my builds this week, it didn't work out. It was either Kittle or going down to Ingram or even going cheap and punting at tight end. Uh, but if I can find room for Kelsey or Ertz, I'm definitely doing it. I, uh, I have a weird feeling Philly scores a bunch of points in this game. All right. I mean, I, 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 you between you and Vlad, like I, I trust your guys <laughs> your your gut instincts are generally really good. So if if Scott says I'm Foles over Jackson, I think the Eagles are going to go nuts. Then listen to Scott. Like don't don't take my bird brained ideas about what I think <laughs> Lamar Jackson might do. No, I mean with that with those rush yards, he has a lot, nice floor. Before we get to that game, anybody on the Redskins side? Uh, Adrian Peterson's really cheap this week, forty five hundred on DraftKings. He had one hundred nineteen yards rushing last week against the Titans. Uh, did have nine for ninety eight against the against the Eagles in Week thirteen, but it, you remember he had that he was that one run for ninety yards. that did nothing after that. The Philly rush D's been good the last couple of weeks. Zeke did get them in Week fourteen, but. My big thing with, with Peterson's is just game script for me. I think Philly's going to score some points, as I mentioned, and he just gets game scripted out more than any running back in the NFL. Uh, he's cheap. Uh, do you like him this week? I don't. There's too many other cheap running backs that are in better spots, better offenses, uh, more more of a fallback if their team falls behind. I just think you, you don't have to expose yourself to the risk that Peterson brings to the table every week, especially if you like the Eagles to go kind of crazy and, and open up a big lead. I uh, I agree, and you said it better than me, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with that. What are you doing with Josh Adams this week? He's cheap. Uh, with Darren Sproles' usage last week, I'm probably just staying away from the from the Eagles' backfield fully. I I just I don't trust them to get someone enough uh, enough volume to really to really work out, and I think they uh, I think they throw a little bit more than they run. But uh, Adams is the right price. I just I just worry about the usage. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you there. I was just really surprised at how low the price went on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, just the the only eleven touches last week, twenty one yards, and you know, Sproles was super active and kind of takes Adams out of the pass game completely. And you know, especially on DK, I you know, I want my my running back to catch a couple passes. But you're right, the price is right. If they uh, if they do get a lead, as I think they will, and run the ball in the second half, he could be he could be nice. I just I think there's just other running backs I like more. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I just think there's a ton of cheap options, and even more will emerge probably between now and Sunday. Last game on the slate, the Browns at the Ravens. Baltimore needs a win to win the AFC North. They're likely out of the playoffs with a loss. There, there are some combos where they can get in, but they're likely out. Uh, you mentioned Lamar Jackson, 5,600 on DraftKings, 7,700 on FanDuel. Obviously a very nice floor because of the rushing yards. I just worry about ceiling with him. I worry uh, you know, how much of a passing, uh, a passing line he could really put up to really get him over the top. So, yeah, so it's all about touchdowns for him because I, yes. I don't think there's a scenario where they're going to let him throw it more than 25 times. But I think the the ceiling with Lamar Jackson, based on what he's been doing so far, seems low. But for a quarterback who runs like that, his upside is like two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns, even with limited attempts. I think he's capable of doing that. And the reason I think he's capable of doing that is I think the Ravens defense will smother the Browns offense. They're going to have a lot of short fields. They need this game. Jackson at the price and based on what he's doing makes sense as a cash play He runs enough. I totally get it, but I kind of want to sneak him in for a tournament lineup because I think he's capable of a 30 point game. Like that's within the range of outcomes. If you get two rushing scores from him and two through the air, that could be an insane sort of day. And everyone's kind of high on the Browns right now. They've caught some crumbling teams at just the right time. They are playing well. Give them credit. It's, it's an improving roster. I mean, they're exciting. 
But I think going into Baltimore, they're going to get a very harsh reality check as their 2018 season comes to a close. And I think this is actually kind of a feast spot for Lamar Jackson. I feel like Baker Mayfield's going to stare you down after a touchdown pass now. Hey, I mean, uh, if I'm on his radar, that's great. But uh, <laughs> I like Baker Mayfield. I don't have any problem with how he handles Hugh Jackson or anything. I, I think it's great that he he's not the politician quarterback. He comes out and, and tells you what's on his mind and, and kind of says – uh, what he thinks, and I, I like that about him. But uh, uh, Jackson's do. one of those guys; he's kind of forgotten here. Yeah, I I, I do too, and I, I think you, you make a really good point on Jackson. I think that the 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 upside is the two rushing touchdowns. That's very much in play. I mean, he's got you know over seventy yards rushing in three of those four weeks, and just if he gets one of those you know option plays or your keepers at the from the inside the five, uh, those two touchdowns could definitely come. I just uh, I hate not getting the, the upside in passing. You know, he's under 200 yards in three of those four games. But you're right. I mean, the rushing touchdowns is kind of where you get that upside. And if they get a, a lead in this game and start to run the ball a lot, uh, he's certainly talented enough to, to break a couple, uh, break a couple too. And I think you're getting him at low ownership too. We talked a lot about a lot of quarterbacks we like this week. He's just one of those guys that I feel like people are going to ignore. Uh, that's uh, I, I like it. I think that uh, I mean L- Lamar versus Foles will be uh, fun for us to watch this week. Anybody? On the Cleveland side, you know, I don't, I love Baker Mayfield, but I'm not playing him against this Baltimore pasty. I just, you know, with 15 games, not a spot that I'm going to. Uh, do you like Nick Chubb at all? He's been really good, over 100 yards in back to back weeks, 6,400 on DK, 7,400 on FanDuel. Uh, Baltimore's only allowed one 100 yard rusher all year. It's just a situation where you're just going to avoid the Baltimore defense completely. Yeah, Chubb, I think, will catch some passes this week, though, and, and maybe be decent for the price. He's priced down a little bit, but I wasn't planning on playing him. If I'm doing the crazy thing at running back in that price range, it was Joe Mixon, assuming the Bengals play him too much and that he finds a way to go off in a reasonably tough spot because he's just that talented. But uh, I get it if you want to play Nick Chubb in a, a similar light. The way you talk about this game, uh, the Ravens D is 2,900 on DK. Is that someone you like? You mentioned uh, short fields kind of smothering them. Uh, I I assume you like them? I do. I mean, Baker, as great as he is, probably makes some mistakes in this one. The Ravens defense is excellent. So I think the Ravens defense, if you have the money, is 100% playable. I do too. I was I was surprised they were under three thousand on on DraftKings. I thought they'd be a little bit a uh, little bit higher, maybe in the thirty three or thirty four range. But uh, anybody else you want to talk about? I know you got to uh, you got to jump out to your other show here. Anybody else that you want to discuss for week seventeen before we get out of here? I think we covered everybody, which is amazing. We started this at uh, six thirty a.m. Pacific time today. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm taking one for the team with the early start this week. Well done. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the uh, the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast. Thanks for listening all season. Uh, this is the end uh, of the regular season, so uh, you know we'll be back at you uh, starting next season. Derek, are we doing any playoff uh, playoff pods or no? It would be a bonus pod if we do. If right. there's demand, if, you, if people start tweeting at us, maybe we can get some playoff pods out. Uh, I'll, I'll base it solely on the people that listen through the end of this episode. If, if there's some demand, we could make some playoff pods. Beautiful. I, uh, I'm on board if uh, if that demand comes to, if anybody is listening to this point, uh, we appreciate it. Again, if you could please rate and review the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. If you happen to be listening to the very end of this podcast, thank you very much. Thanks for listening all year. Derek, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing it all year, and everybody have a fantastic week 17, and take care.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.